Happy 2023, everyone. I hope you had a good end of the year celebration, whether you were out at a New Year's Eve party or just stayed home and watched movies like I did. We have a lot in the pipeline for the Not Rich Yet podcast this year, and I wanted to give you a little preview of what's to come over the next few weeks. We're kicking off the year talking business. We're publishing a sequence of interviews with guests who are doing cool things as entrepreneurs and letting you in on all their secrets. This sequence is designed to help you feel a bit more organized in your own entrepreneurship journey. First up is actually today's episode. We have Jess Coleman talking to us about starting a business while you work your corporate job. Then later on in the week on Friday, we have Taylor Bitsoli, who's a professional bookkeeper, and she'll be discussing what you need to know to set your business up for financial success right from day one. Then on next Wednesday, we hope to have Annie Leal, a founder in the food and beverage space, giving you tips on how to use social media to grow your business. Lastly, next Friday, we're airing an episode we did with Cortland Jones. She's the founder of an online marketplace for creatives, and she's walking us through her business journey and how she began seeking funding from investors. The next few weeks are jam-packed, especially since typically we only release one episode every Wednesday, but I get really aggressive when it comes to my goals, so I'm shooting for two a week instead. Tune in on Wednesdays and Fridays to hear our incredible guests talk about their experiences and share their advice. And speaking of goals, please also subscribe, leave a review, and rate our show on whatever platform you listen on, but especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts so we can make it onto the new and noteworthy list. Make sure you're following us on social media as well. We are at NotRichYetPod on Instagram and TikTok. And LinkedIn and Twitter are coming soon. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome to the Not Rich Yet podcast, where we have meaningful discussions on all things money, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Jasmine Suknanen. I'm a financial journalist, and I have over six years of experience in the media industry. Our guest today is Jess Coleman. Jess is the founder of Huckleberry Creative, a full-service brand and website design and development studio with a mission to make it easy and fun for entrepreneurs to share their genius with the world. She's an experienced marketer, copywriter, and designer, and she holds a bachelor's degree in English literature and journalism, plus a master's degree in strategic communication. Jess, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So we have so much to dive into today, but first let's start with your upbringing. What was it like growing up and what kinds of conversations were you having with your family members around career and money? Yeah. So um, I don't know how much you know about being a military brat, but I was a military brat growing up. My dad was in the air force and my mom was a stay at home mom um, for most of my childhood. And, uh, um, you know, so we were always comfortable, I, I like to say, with money. You know, we never went without anything. Um, but both of my parents actually came from 
coal mining families in Kentucky. And so they both grew up without a lot of money. Um, and I think that that, that mindset really uh, translated over into their adult life as well, even as they kind of leveled up in the world and uh, became more comfortable and more secure. I think that that, that uh, mindset of going without sometimes carried over with them. And so there was always a budget. There was always a, one of the things in our household that my mom used to say was we have to wait till the next credit card, meaning we can't buy that yet because the credit card hasn't <laughs> flipped over to the next month. And so it was a lot. Of, yeah, there was a lot of that going on. And so, um, you know, I, I think um, in, as it comes, uh, as it relates to career, I always wanted to be things that I think didn't equate to a lot of money or money was really never part of the equation. It was always, um, you know, what was somebody on TV? What, what looked cool in the shows that I was watching or um, what was something that I'd heard my mom or dad say was like a good thing to be, you know, like a teacher. Teacher was one that I wanted to be for a really long time. Um, and then for a while I wanted to be a journalist and I actually have been both of those things, um, in, in my career, but, um, money never really factored into that conversation. And, um, I majored in English in college and I can remember thinking to myself, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, you know, as I got towards the end of that career, but that was just never something that my parents even broached with me or, or talked about with me me. And so I think I had to kind of come to that realization that, oh, I need to do something that's going to make some money so I can support myself kind of on my own over uh, a course of several trials and error in that department. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when you were talking about, you know, how like things you saw on like TV, for mm -hmm. example, influenced yeah. the things that you believed were available career choices for you, you know, right. I feel like the Carrie Bradshaw effect is so real, uh, that, and also Devil Wears Prada, <laughs> those two are like, I feel like iconic sort of uh, media magazine related oh, yeah. life of a writer living in yep. the big city um, <laughs> type of narratives that get a lot of attention. And yeah. I mean, I know that the Devil Wears Prada definitely uh, I, shocked <laughs> a lot of people who wanted to work in fashion media, but also sure. probably made it feel a little more elusive a little more exclusive mm -hmm. and glamorous yeah. and probably yeah. even motivated people uh, yeah. to seek out those career paths anyways so yeah. tell me a little bit about what your professional journey into the corporate world was like yeah I have a weird professional background <laughs> so like I said um, I have been a teacher and a journalist so I went to school for English literature first and then journalism after that when I realized I had to actually get a job after college. Um, and so my first job was as a newspaper reporter. And I think I must be a little bit older than you because my uh, my TV reference was Lois Lane from The Adventures of Superman and Lois Lane, I think, with Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher. Anyway, she was my journalist title. Um, and so... That was what I did first was I was a newspaper reporter in a really small town in Northern Virginia, and I covered 
everything. It was um, kind of a mom and pop sort of a newspaper. And so I did like murder trials, the board of education. Um, I worked with the police department a lot. Anyways, just a lot of stuff. Um, and I did that for about a year and I was frankly being paid under the poverty line. <laughs> like, I think I made $19,000 that year. Wow. Um, and so I got to the point where I was like this, I, I just can't do this. I can't support myself making this kind of money. And so I jumped into the really lucrative field of uh, teaching. <laughs> and so um, I became a middle and high school English teacher for did that for about five years, loved parts of it. Um, but it was ultimately not where I wanted to be. And so I decided to go back to school to get my master's degree. And I came home and I was just looking for any job that would pay the bills while I was getting my master's degree. I kept saying like, I don't care what it is. I will do anything just so long as it will pay the bills while I get my master's degree. Um, and so I actually, there was a consulting firm in town, a little small healthcare consulting firm, and they were um, advertising for an assistant position. And so I took that and just worked my way up probably more than I should have while I was going to school and just continued to kind of find different ways to provide value in that corporate setting. And then actually transitioned over into the marketing department uh, when they had an opening because they knew I liked to write and that I had some of that background. And that's where I've been ever since doing corporate marketing. Yeah. I have to say um, some of my biggest, uh, you know, leaps in terms of my role in the corporate world have been because I sought out those yeah. openings within my organization, yes. um, which I, I personally think that, you know, I, I hear this question a lot among younger people where they're like, how do I move up in my company? Um, how do mm -hmm. I get from like my internship role at my company to like a staff role within my company? And that's sure. one of the ways, you know, mm -hmm. seek out those open opportunities um, through internal job boards or even just asking around your department like hey what's going to become available in the next month or two because like I'm interested in x y and z mm -hmm. I think it's always going to be easier to do that than to go somewhere new and prove yourself all over again if you're providing value where you are it's going to be that much easier to kind of insert yourself into those opportunities I think yeah for sure mm -hmm. And yeah. are you still in the corporate world today working full-time? I am. I'm still working full-time while I build my business. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And when did you first decide to start your agency? What were some of the factors that really influenced you taking the step? Yeah, so... Um, it was about a year ago and I had been kind of petitioning for a promotion for a while. I felt like I had earned it, that I had, um, you know, proven my value. And I was just, I kept hitting this barrier where I, there were all of these corporate roadblocks and red tape and it's, we only do promotions at the beginning of the year, or we just promoted three people in our department. So now you can't be promoted and all of these things that really I felt like didn't have anything to do with my work or my performance. And I was just getting really frustrated by it. And so I decided to start interviewing at other places just to see what was out there. You know, if I could maybe get in somewhere else, um, 
And as I was doing those interviews, I just realized I was burnout. I was burnout on the corporate grind and, um, you know, everything that, that goes into that. And that if I were to make the leap from one corporate environment to another, that that wasn't going to solve that problem for me. And so I'd always, I think a lot of creatives and writers and things like that play around with the idea of freelancing at different points because our careers kind of lend themselves to that lifestyle in some ways. Um, so I thought about it for a long time. And then when I made the decision that I didn't want to keep interviewing and just find another job, I was like, well, let's just, let's just see what happens with this. And so that I made the leap. I completely understand uh, the whole like, corporate red tape, uh, this policy, that policy, I feel like people experience it so much, um, unfortunately. And, um, you know, in the first place, it's really great that you also had that wherewithal to recognize that, you know, simply changing companies is not going to solve that root issue. I feel like a lot of people, Uh, go through those phases where they're Mm -hmm. experiencing something that makes their work experience feel less than ideal um, and less than tolerable at the moment. And they kind of make the mistake of thinking, well, I got to leave, you know, that's the only answer. Um, Mm -hmm. When in fact, sometimes they may be taking themselves and those same root issues and just bringing them, transplanting them to another work environment. And they're going to just experience the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I even did that a little bit when I transitioned into my business. Um, I was trying to take what I was doing in my nine to five and just turn it into a business. And I realized I just had too much burnout associated with all of it. And so um, it, you know, it took me a few months to even figure that out and in, in my own business as I had started that uh, myself. So I would say just cut yourself some slack if that's you right now, because it took me a long time and a lot of pivots to figure out all of the elements of the things that I didn't want to bring forward with me into my, into my business. Yeah. And so at, the most difficult point of all of that did you ever feel like okay I I'm so done I'm gonna just quit my job no fallback plan and I'm just going to start my business did you ever have any of those thoughts I still have those thoughts (laughs) like every other day um yes I definitely did and I you know I was talking to somebody about this earlier this week I really think it comes down to your personality and what your risk tolerance is as a human being, because I see people in my circles all the time who just do that, that you just rip the bandaid off and they're like, I'm just going all in in my business and I'm going to do all the things. And they're able to get where they want to get much more quickly, typically than somebody who's kind of trying to straddle both. Um, But I know myself well enough to know that I am not particularly risk tolerant. And I think that the stress and anxiety would have crippled me. Um, And so while there are definitely days where I'm like, I cannot keep doing both of these things. I think having that, um, that cushion, that safety net has really enabled me to continue pushing in my business because I know that like, even if I make a mistake, even if I don't get a client for a month, 
um, you know, whatever it is that I still, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, defaulting on my mortgage payment or whatever it is. So, um, I, you know, I think it comes down to knowing yourself and knowing what you're able to handle. Absolutely. And you brought up a very good point um, and a really great phrase that we often see used um, within personal money management, mm -hmm. but also certainly applies to career and that's risk tolerance. Yeah. And, you know, like you illustrated just now, sometimes you need to be able to have that runway of cash. So you're continuing mm -hmm. to pay your rent, you're continuing to pay your mortgage, you're continuing to pay your student loan bills. Um, if you did decide to just throw your hands up, quit your job and give your all to building your business. And, you know, of course it can be a lot uh, easier said than done because yes. there's still many things that we rely on our full-time corporate jobs for. Um, mm -hmm. Health insurance is another component of that. And A big component. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You have to find some way to be covered and, I've never personally been on COBRA before, and I don't personally know anyone else who has, but from what I've heard, um, it is very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, it can be extremely costly and, right. you know, something like that is just much more affordable when you can get it through an employer. Um, yeah. That being said, I also think that people shouldn't see uh, those, I guess, workplace benefits as you know an end-all be-all or as sort of like a, okay well I guess I should never be an entrepreneur now no you definitely still can take those mm -hmm. steps just make sure that you're setting yourself up in a strategic way so you are you know experiencing as little financial stress as possible from making that jump yeah, absolutely. It's always been uh, something I factored into like my calculations of when is it okay to make this full time, you know, those things like health insurance and benefits, because I do have really cushy benefits in my corporate job. And, um, you know, so just making sure that I can kind of recreate those on my own as I build my business. Absolutely. Yeah. And switching gears just a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I feel like at the very beginning of my career, I feel like I've seen a lot of companies uh, have certain conflicts of interest policies where mm -hmm. they may say like, okay, look, you can do whatever you want outside of work. Just make sure you're not doing work for our direct competitors mm -hmm. to now I'm seeing more of an environment at many companies where it's sort of like, they're implementing a lot more restrictions on the, the types of work employees can do uh, when they're not working their nine to five hours. So for example, that could be like, um, do not like, uh, do not uh, work like a side hustle or start something that could potentially earn you more money than you make at this company or mm -hmm do not do something that also requires you to use the very same skill set you use while you work for us during the day. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had to, uh, you know, speak to your manager or someone at your company about starting your business? And 
what was that conversation like? Did you experience any of this uh, red tape in this sense as well? So when I first started at the corporate job that I'm at now, there was a policy that if you had any outside employment, you had to run it by your manager first and get there. Okay. Um, I think it was maybe like a year, year and a half into the job. They changed that policy to, you don't have to run it by anybody as long as you're not working with one of our direct competitors to your original point. Um, and so that's the policy that I'm working under now is that as long as I don't work with somebody who's directly uh, in competition with them in market, I'm okay. So I haven't had to have a conversation and I have strategically not had that conversation because I think I, I would imagine that there are a lot of people feeling this way. My gut sense is that while it's not technically disallowed, it would be frowned upon. And so I haven't really made it known. I've let a few like friends and things know what I'm doing, but um, in terms of like leadership and things like that, as far as they know, I am working my, my nine to five and that is it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess that's a pretty big tip then um, for anyone who is trying to start their own business um, or even have certain side hustles while they're still in their corporate role is to, uh, I guess, at least just be aware of uh, the fact that these policies do exist at yeah. many companies. Um, and if you have questions about what your company's policy entails, you can definitely check your employee handbook. If you're a little um, on the nervous side about <laughs> opening up that Pandora's box with HR um, or your manager, um, but these policies do exist. Yeah. So we're I definitely read the handbook backwards and forwards. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Were there any skills that you were able to obtain throughout your career journey in the corporate world that really helped make launching your business easier? Yes, probably a lot, but I would say the one that comes up for me the most is just dealing with different personalities and navigating the, the politics of dealing with different personalities at different levels and things like that, because um, I think not only has it taught me to handle those situations when they come up, but I think it's also taught me uh, what I don't want to deal with in my own business and made that pretty clear for me to where, you know, I, I know what I'm looking for when I talk to a client. Um, I know some red flags when I'm talking to a client of like, this is not the kind of person that I want to be hanging out with all the time or working with or supporting. And so I think um, while I definitely have the skill to navigate difficult personalities or personalities that are different from mine, and I gained a lot of that from my corporate job, um, I think it's also just really helped to crystallize that for me as I'm building my business of who I do want to work with as well. And take us through what it was like to prepare for that launch of your business. What were some of the things that you were uh, you know, asking yourself, what were the things that you were trying to organize so you could have a successful launch? Yeah, uh, that's such a good question. And I would say I'm still figuring that out. So I don't know that I have a complete answer for you. But um, 
probably the biggest thing for me was just figuring out my schedule and how I was going to manage my time. Um, I do have a pretty flexible job and I work from home in my corporate job. And so um, that has been a really big plus for me as I've built this, that I'm not having to like put on a suit and go into the office and then come home at the end of the day and, you know, work from my home office. So um, that has been a big thing, but I, I have found that carving out specific times for each rather than trying to code switch back and forth all day, every day um, has been really critical for me and, and my, uh, you know, bandwidth in my brain, honestly, just to be able to say, okay, this time, this day, every week is job time. And then this time, this day, every week is business time. Um, that has been really critical. And it's something that I'm continuing to fine tune and tweak as I go and I find what works and what doesn't. Um, but just kind of setting up some of those systems and using my calendar and Asana and uh, all of those kinds of things to make it happen has been probably the biggest learning curve for me. Yeah, there are a lot of, um, you know, studies out there that have shown that when you start to, you know, schedule a certain task in at mm -hmm. the same time every day or the same day and time every single week, you're more mm -hmm. likely to stick to that habit and begin doing it pretty much on autopilot after a certain amount of time. And that can be really helpful for people who, you know, are kind of getting used to this uh, world where they're now uh, working their nine to five, signing off, um, mm -hmm. and then working from five to nine or some other time frame. And you also mentioned using your calendar. Uh, one strategy that I think uh, people might find super useful is time blocking. Um, you know, it's, it is pretty simple. It sounds exactly like what it, or rather it is exactly what it sounds like it is. Um, just grabbing a planner or even a digital calendar and uh, penciling in time for you to do a certain task on a certain day? I'm a big proponent of calendar blocking. I have been for years, um, but I have found it especially beneficial as I'm trying to manage all of the different things. I even said to my sister, I'm getting my niece this weekend and she's coming to stay with me. And we were trying to figure out when we were going to meet up to do the the drop off for my niece. And I was like, hold on, stop talking. I have to put this on my calendar <laughs> because if I don't, I will not be there. Like I have to put it on here. Um, and so it's that whole thing. I know a lot of people say like, if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. Um, and so just making sure that like everything that has to happen in my life is on there and that I'm blocking time for those important things has been probably my saving grace in a lot of cases. Yeah. And even as I've been doing this podcast, um, mm -hmm. even for a few weeks now, it's like, I, so I have like my Calendly uh, synced to my Google calendar. So anytime someone books time with me, it just auto populates right on my calendar. And then I receive those notifications throughout the week and throughout the day. And it just makes it so easy because I don't have to do it manually, which, you know, sometimes we can forget to do those mm -hmm. things. Sometimes we, you know, just get so bogged down with doing 
all the other things and it just goes right over our heads and then you know worst case we end up like missing a very important call or a very important event um but you know that automation is also definitely a key part in uh so many of the habits we form and a key part of like so much of how we spend our day mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i have mine hooked up too and it is it is a game changer <laughs> absolutely now time management is one part of it but now how did you stay focused while juggling the you know your work and your business because i feel like for so many people it's one thing to say okay I'm going to sit down and work on my business from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. on Mondays and Wednesdays. But then sometimes they get there and they're like scrolling on TikTok or they're <laughs> a little distracted by something else or they just cannot get in the zone. So mm -hmm. what were some of those strategies you had for actually staying focused and committed? You know, I honestly, I'm a strange person. So <laughs> I have had the opposite problem where I'm having trouble switching it off. Um, and so like midnight comes and I'm sitting in my bed emailing myself reminders because I can't switch the business brain off when I'm supposed to switch it off. Um, so I think that has been honestly the, the bigger hurdle for me is less staying focused when I'm supposed to be focused and more like learning to switch it off. Um, and so I would say the biggest thing for me has just been trying to um, give myself grace around it because I think that it comes from, um, I know a lot of us in the corporate world are type A and, and we're used to kind of getting good grades and, and moving up the ladder and all of those kinds of things. And so much about building my business was unknown territory for me. Like I didn't go to school for it. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and so like just giving myself the grace to say, you've got time tomorrow <laughs> to figure this out. Like you didn't figure it out today and that's okay, but you've got to shut your brain down. Um, and so I've been trying to limit the time that I spend on my computer and my phone and just saying like, if I'm shutting down it, 10, I'm shutting down at 10. We're not opening the laptop back up, no matter what pops into your head, what you forgot to do, all of those kinds of things. And I think setting some of those boundaries with myself has really helped me to stop working at all hours, because that for me, I think was, was the bigger issue, honestly. <laughs> do you think that to some extent, a degree of hyper-focus could kind of lead to or you know have a role in developing burnout I know that like a lot of times a lack of focus could also you know mm -hmm. not just be because like you prefer to scroll on TikTok but like uh it could also come from the fact that like oh you're just exhausted you know but do you feel like hyper focus can also be something that leads to feeling burnt out Definitely. And that's where I got when I finally started drawing those boundaries was stop trying to burn yourself out at this second thing. <laughs> you are already burnt out with this other thing, which is why you started building your business. Um, and, and there's no need to recreate that environment 
and feeling of burnout in this thing that you were trying to build to escape from that. So uh, totally, completely, yes. Um, and I think that that's where, where the boundaries have come in for me was just recognizing that probably later than I should have, but then setting those boundaries up so that I can try to mitigate some of that. Absolutely. And were there any constraints that you encountered while trying to build your business while also working a full-time job? Probably uh, a lot, but the one that comes to mind is about um, halfway through my first year in business, I had a, a really good professional friend of mine who saw what I was doing and wanted to join uh, my company and my business and kind of partner up and do it together. And so um, we did that for several months and she was in her nine to five to a different nine to five, uh, but another kind of corporate environment. And, um, and she got three or four months in and just decided that she couldn't do both. And so that was probably the biggest hurdle for me was kind of the, the stops and starts that went along with that transition of, feeling like I had some momentum and then stopping to incorporate her into the business and then kind of doing it all over again when she decided that she couldn't um, do both. And so I think, especially if you're trying to balance both, both just knowing that it's going to be hard for a while and figuring out whether that's something you're willing to deal with um, for at least a few months as things get underway is probably um, pretty critical. So yeah, that was, that was probably the biggest barrier for me. I truly admire, um, anyone who is able to work on a business with a close friend or even mm -hmm. just with any, you know, partner, uh, whether yeah. you've been friends for a decade or, you know, it's a coworker or a former colleague who, mm -hmm. you know, you decided to start a business with. I, I have so much admiration for those kinds of partnerships because it can be so difficult. Um, yeah. you know, you're, not just relying on availability within your schedule, right. you're looking for availability within two people's schedules, you know, and there will be times where, you know, you're both not on the same page. There's confusion about how to move forward together and things like that. And of course, like you said, when or if it gets to an instance where one person decides that it's just not for them anymore, you know, now in areas where you might've been outsourcing certain tasks to your business partner, now you kind of have to find a way to either outsource it to somebody else or mm -hmm. take that on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tricky for sure. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. There's pros and cons, I think, to being, uh, having a business partner and being a solopreneur. Um, you know, one, you have a partner to run ideas by, you have solidarity, you have support, but at the same time, to your point, it's, it's a little bit more complicated to navigate calendars and figure out pricing schedules and money and all of those kinds of things. And so I think, you know, again, it goes, it comes back to knowing yourself and what you want and what your goals are for your business, I think. Absolutely. And are there any pitfalls that you think individuals should try to avoid or at least be aware of when they're trying to maintain their nine to five, but also 
work on a business? Yeah, I think probably the boundaries are key. Um, And I think, as I mentioned, I think I probably started setting those up a little bit later than I should have. And so I think just going into it, understanding that you're in it for the, the long haul, that this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And figuring out what kind of boundaries you need to set in place to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, all the things, and that you are, um, you know, not going to, to your point, burn yourself out in pursuit of these goals that you're going to make them sustainable and make them feel good as you're achieving them. So I would say just really being mindful of, of that upfront as soon as possible is probably my best advice. That's a fantastic point. Um, And we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit to talk a few money questions. Um, You know, money isn't everything, but it is still pretty important when you're running a business. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially when you plan to have that business be your sole source of Mm -hmm. being able to survive. So Mm -hmm. Have you gotten to a point where you're able to pay yourself a salary from your business? I'm just now getting there. And so um, I am reading through the book Profit First as we speak. It's on my nightstand and um, working through that. It's been a little bit trickier because I do still have the corporate uh, salary coming in. So trying to figure out what that looks like in conjunction with my business income. Um, has made it slightly more tricky. Um, but yeah, starting to set up those those systems now. And uh, could you tell us uh, what the title of that book you said you were reading was? Profit First. Mm-hmm. Profit First. Mm-hmm. Okay, definitely going to write that down. And, you know, for any listeners who are also wondering at what point they should pay themselves a salary uh, and just questions around, you uh, taking a salary from their business, you might want to also jot down that title too, because mm-hmm. it could be very helpful. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really interesting. It talks about like the different percentages you should be allocating for different things in your business. And so um, it's been a good foundational resource for me as I'm trying to set those systems up. Yeah, that sounds, you know, obviously extremely helpful, because I feel like one question that I hear people ask all the time is how do they determine how much of a salary they should be Mm -hmm. paying themselves because I feel like a lot of times when we think of like being an entrepreneur a lot of times we might have this vision of like getting a six-figure salary your very first year um, and you know just like and continuing to scale up your salary I dropped something (laughs) and just continuing to scale up your salary, um, you know, year after year, but there's so much more that goes into it besides just saying, well, I want a hundred K as my salary. Right. Yep. And then I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier too, of like making sure that you're accounting for the health insurance and the taxes and all of those other things that you don't necessarily have to think about as much when somebody's doing that for you in a corporate job or a, a, a regular nine to five job. Like those are things that you've got to factor in when you start trying to parse out the money in your own business. So it's been, it's been helpful. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, for my master's degree program, I took one class that encompassed, uh, you know, 
business literacy, financial literacy, and just corporate finance. Mm -hmm. And the book I had to read for that class uh, really dove into uh, the ins and outs of why companies need to prepare certain statements that reflect profits, losses, mm -hmm. um, expenditures, and things like that. Um, and when you when you read it, it, it makes a lot of sense, and you kind of go, "Oh, like no wonder companies out in the real world are making the moves that they make." Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, for yeah. sure. So when you get to that point where you feel like you're able to start, you know, taking on a significant amount of income uh, for yourself from your business, what kinds of financial goals do you think that that might be able to support for you? I mean, ultimately, my goal is to replace my corporate income with my business, um, including all of the, the benefits and perks and all of those kinds of things that we talked about. Um, and so that's that's what I'm aiming for is just getting to a point where that, that is replicable in my business, which is no easy feat, um, but something I think to work towards. Absolutely. And you actually just brought up a very good point um that you know it's more than just about the salary you take from your business it's also about how much money you can pay yourself to be able to support some of the perks that you were getting at your corporate job like you know uh contributions to a retirement account and my last question is just what should other individuals consider when they're planning to start a business while working full time? I'm definitely not an expert. So I will say that uh, right at the top. But for me, I think it's been um, just really getting clear on what my goals are, what I want to accomplish, and also setting time-based goals. So um, you know, when do I want to hit this milestone by? What's my next milestone? And trying to make those realistic, but also something that's kind of motivating um, and keeping me going towards trying to achieve those goals. So I would say just being really clear on your goals and then also just trying to set yourself up for success as much as possible with your schedule and your boundaries and things like that. And, and just at least if you're somebody like me who likes structure and routine, getting those things in place so that you kind of know the parameters that you're working in, that would be my best advice. Yeah. And I think to that point, you know, having a goal like yours where, you know, you want to be able to replace your corporate salary alongside the perks, you know, mm -hmm. that's a goal that can absolutely be motivating because it is specific. You know, mm -hmm. you have a very specific goal number to be working towards. So because of that, it's going to be very clear to see when you've reached that goal or not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Soon. <laughs> Absolutely. I have no doubt. <laughs> Jess, thank you so much for talking to us today. Can you tell us where we can find you in your business? Of course. Um, again, I'm Jess Coleman. Uh, Huckleberry Creative is my business. I'm on Instagram at Huck Creative, H-U-C-K, or uh, you can find me at my website at uh, Huck Creative 
www.thepowerofthenow.co. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hey, guys. Let's give a virtual round of applause to Jess Coleman for being a guest on our podcast tonight. I really enjoyed hearing about her experiences with building her business while working her full-time corporate job, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I just wanted to hop on real quick to uh, kind of do a little bit of a follow-up recording because I realized that there were a few things that I had wanted to say uh, during the uh, episode uh, interview recording that I completely forgot to address. And I still think it's really important to get these points out there, um, particularly around the administrative uh, semantics of starting your business while you're working in a corporate environment still. Um, obviously, there are so many benefits to being able to build your business on the side while you're still working a nine to five job. Of course, you're still earning an income. Um, so, you know, it in a way feels a little less urgent for you to rush through building your business so you can start earning a salary. You're still getting certain uh, benefits and things like that. Um, but of course, you do have to be really careful when you choose to do something like this. So I wanted to offer a couple more tips. Uh, we did discuss a little bit on the podcast with Jess, but I just wanted to sprinkle in a few more uh, to help you out on your own business building journey. So first off, you should absolutely educate yourself on your company's outside of work policies, also known as conflict of interest policies. There are reasons why employers have these policies in place. And when you become a business owner yourself who manages a bunch of employees, you're kind of going to start to understand why. Uh, think about it like you probably wouldn't want an employee going and working for your direct competitor on the side because that puts your intellectual property at risk, that puts your strategies at risk, that, pr that puts all of your creative direction at risk, and you definitely don't want that. So while some policies might feel, uh, you know, confusing or intimidating or just unnecessary, understand that your employers do have them for a reason, and it's important to uh, learn about them if you are planning on taking on a side hustle or even starting your business while you continue to work your full-time job. At the worst case, if you are caught uh, not following your company's policies around these guidelines, you could get fired and you can actually lose your income and then you'll be left scrambling trying to find a new job or some other way to uh, earn money to pay your bills. So make sure you educate yourself on those policies. You can refer to your employee handbook as a good way to start digging around for those details. Your employee handbook will usually have information around conflicts of interest and what kinds of activities are okay for you to do uh, outside of work. 
And you can also bring this up with your HR professional or with your direct manager if that is the protocol that you need to follow at your company. Every company is going to be a little bit different for how they choose to handle something like this. But you do want to make sure that you're uh, trying your best to operate within those company guidelines because, again, you don't want to get fired. And if you're not sure if your business makes sense for the policies that you have to operate within, you can at least have an exploratory conversation with HR or with your manager. Just, you know, kick the idea around a little bit and just try to get a better understanding of what guidelines you would have to operate within because, you know, you would hate to have to just totally scrap a really great business idea just because you're unsure about the policy. So it's better to be certain and know whether or not you can move forward and in what capacity you can move forward. Uh, the second thing, do not use your company's resources to work on your business. I feel like that kind of goes without saying, but, um, you know, that's another thing that could really get you in trouble. So do not use your company's laptop that they lend you to work on your business needs. Use your personal laptop for that. Uh, do not use your company's uh, materials, be it physical or uh, not physical. Uh, do not use any sources or connections that you got through your company that you otherwise would not have gotten on your own. This can be such a slippery slope. Some companies will straight out tell you not to do that. Um, others may not explicitly tell you not to do that, but it's best to err on the side of caution and avoid using any resources that your company provides to you for your own personal gain. And the last thing, do not neglect your duties at work to make progress on your business. I know when you start something new, it can be so exciting and you just want to jump right in and do it all, get it all done, see that progress bar moving, but be very careful with this. Do not put off your tasks at work and deadlines at work to work on your business you could be fired for this. And there's no turning back once you break your employer's trust on something like this. So I hope those tips helped you guys. Uh, tune in for our next episode and be sure to go back and listen to any of the episodes you haven't already listened to. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Not Rich Yet podcast. Hit the subscribe button so Spotify or Apple or whatever platform you normally listen on knows that you enjoyed this podcast, and so I know you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you're keeping up with us on Instagram so you can be the first to know when a new episode airs. We also post some resources that you can use along your wealth building journey. We're on Instagram as at notrichyetpod, and if you want to give me a follow too, I will not say no to that. I'm on Instagram as at thejasminesue, T. H-E-J-A-S-M-I-N-S-U. I do all the planning and sourcing and emailing and interviewing, but this podcast couldn't happen without a few extra hands. 
Not Rich Yet is produced by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and edited by Will Tarashak, founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and the founder of Willie T Productions. I'm your host, Jasmine Suknanen, and I'll be back with more next week.